a spontaneous and unrehearsed interview. Mm, hello, we're back. I'm back. Episode 119. This is Travis DeRose. Sorry, it's been a little while. Been a lot of stuff going on, but it's we're still happening. This show's still rolling. Don't worry, we're, there's going to be a big comeback. And it's starting with this episode, because I have on Scott Barber, who is the director of a little film called This Is Guar. Uh, if you heard of the band Guar, then congratulations. You're probably already listening to this episode and, and excited to see where this goes. If you haven't heard of the band Guar, then buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. Uh, so Scott was the director of the documentary, and he literally he got to follow around Guar, interview them. Uh, it's a really, really great documentary. Um, kind of, you know, you got the surface level stuff, and then he, he digs deeper. There's a lot of good, a lot of good uh, stuff, information chunks, chunks down in there. You know, it's it's good stuff. And currently, it has a 100% score on Rotten Tomatoes. So. It's good stuff. You you know, there's some uh, social proof there for you. So that's it. Let's get to episode 119 with Mr. Scott Barber. All right, Scott, thanks for coming on the show, man. Happy to uh, happy to have you on. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm excited to be here. Cool. Yeah, uh, it's an honor to have you on it and be talking <laughs> to you. I gotta say. Um, well, thanks. Yeah. So, I mean, let, let's just dive into it. I think for, okay. uh, you know, we, I've got kind of a, a general s- sample of the population, maybe, uh, you know, not somebody who has necessarily been to a Guar show or, mm-hmm. or maybe mm-hmm. even knows who they are, maybe have, has heard of them a bit. But uh, can you just give us a, a rundown of, of, you know, who is Guar? Who is Guar? Okay. So what most people know Guar as, what they are on the surface is an insane uh, group of space barbarians that have been stranded here on Earth. Uh, and they actually created the human race by uh, having sex with apes millions of years ago. They created humans. They hate us because of that. They, they consider us their bastard offspring. <laughs> uh, so uh, they, were, they got frozen in uh, Antarctica for um, millions of years after, after creating humans, in which... In the early 80s, whenever uh, the hair bands like Poison and Warrant started using a bunch of hairspray, that depleted the ozone layer, which thawed them out. <laughs> and a, uh, a, a sleazy uh, Hollywood manager, accurately named Sleazy P. Martini, found them. He was on the run from uh, the feds and the mob and a bunch of people. So he was in Antarctica. He found them and he said, I can make a million dollars. With these guys, if I turn them into a rock band because they were barbarians, they already kind of look like rockers. So they're these space monster barbarians. They're these space monster barbarians that play in a heavy metal band and they kill people on stage. They chop people's heads off. They squirt blood. Uh, so if you go to a Guar concert, you're going to be covered in blood and slime and all sorts of bodily fluids. And it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Well said. I I love the uh, you know the the premise, the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's so freaking fun. It's uh, it's um, yeah, it's just great. So I mean, how did you how did you find Guar? I mean, so I've always been into you know rock and roll music, heavy metal, and punk rock, and all that stuff. I, mm-hmm. I I've always liked it all. Um, and so Guar was always a band that I always knew of. I always kind of say they're like one of those bands that's like a crossover that if you're kind of like in a music scene, like, you know about them, kind of like the Misfits or um, Motorhead or something like that. Like punkers seem to like them. Metal people like them. Everybody just thought they were cool because they're so bizarre, you know, Um, they're not dated at all because they dress like space barbarians. And uh, so I'd always known about them and always thought they were real cool. Uh, but I didn't know a lot about them. You mm-hmm. know, I just, I just knew, you know, the surface level of them. Right. And, and then um, I thought that they would be a cool idea for a documentary. And um, originally just because of the visuals, just because I was like, I want to know what that stage show is like and all that stuff. And then uh, I found out that I had a friend that opened up for him, <laughs> uh, a guy named Rocky Moon. He was in a band, he's in a band called American Sharks. They're awesome. Everyone should check them out. 
and they um, they opened up for Guar, and he was telling me one day that he was having uh, Thanksgiving at Jismac uh, Degusha. That's the uh, the drummer for Guar mm-hmm. at his house, and the idea of Thanksgiving with Guar was like was burned into my brain. I was right. like, that is such an image. And so uh, I reached out to him and I was like, hey, can you maybe like pitch me to do a documentary? I'd done one documentary before um, and it had done okay. And so uh, the more that I started researching them, uh, I was like, there's a real story here. It's Mm -hmm. not just something that looks cool because I have a, you know, that's one of my things. I kind of like will write a bunch of ideas. I always have ideas for documentaries. I have a, a, a Google doc that I have in my phone and I'm always just like, Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Um, and, and, but most of them, the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, it's neat, but it wouldn't really make a feature length documentary, maybe like a short or, you know, one of those type things. But mm-hmm. when I looked at, when I started, when the idea of maybe getting to do a Guar documentary became a possibility, um, and I started researching them, I was like, Whoa, this is, this can easily um, support a, a, a feature length documentary. Yeah. There's a lot to it. Once you start to, you know, mm-hmm. on the surface level, it's like crazy. It's awesome. It's fun. And then you, but you start thinking about it, you start asking questions. You're like, how the hell do they pull all this off? There's so many, Yes, there's so much going on. Exactly. And that was one thing that really drew me to it is, you know, a lot of people know who they are rock and like people that are, if you're even casually into rock and roll, you've probably heard of them, but then also just like, your average person has probably heard of them. They were on Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Um, they were on Empire Records. That's where a lot of people know them. Mm-hmm. When I'm telling people what I'm doing and they're just kind of looking at me like, what are you talking about? Who, what are you making a documentary about this band? What is it? And I go, you know, Empire Records, when the dude eats a pop brownie and imagines he's being eaten on stage. I'm like, oh, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Empire Records is kind of this like cult classic movie or whatever. You know, so everybody kind of knew of them, but it's something you don't stop and think somebody's got to set all that crap up. Somebody's got to build it. You know, you kind of take it for granted. Mm -hmm. So whenever I found out that um, they do everything themselves, you know, they make that stuff. They 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 set it up. They they take it from city to city every day. There's no company behind them. They are the company. And I was like, these guys are like a DIY band. You know, usually when you think of a DIY band, you think of like a punk band, you know, four or five dudes in, you know, jeans and a t-shirt playing, you know, punk rock or something. But they're every bit as DIY as a, um, you know, as a punk band, but uh, just with this huge elaborate stage show. So that was something that I really wanted to kind of pull the curtain back and go, yeah, you've seen them, but do you ever stop to think about how that works? And, you know, they're all, Guar is not a band. They're really not. They're an artist collective. Yeah. And the, the, the folks that make all that stuff, that build the costumes, that, that set up the blood tanks, that, that put that stage show together. Because for those that don't know, a Guar show, it's not just a concert. It's a mini play. There's like a story that goes on where they get attacked by robots or whatever, and they'll kill the president. All this stuff happens um, while they're playing rock and roll. Um, and so they write that, they set that up. There's this, it's like a little play and they do it all themselves. So the guys that build it are members of Guar, even though they play no instruments. Guar is not just the musicians, it's, it's everybody. And that was what was fascinating to me. They're really, you know, there's other, there's bands that wear costumes like Slipknot or Kiss or even something like Alice Cooper that's older. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really not what Guar is. It's, it, on the surface level, it's what Guar looks like, but it's not what they are. They're not a band that wears costumes. The costumes actually came first. Um, they were making a movie and then they were going to just, that was going to be one scene in the movie where, you know, one of the guys was going to play music. So really, you know, it, it's not a band that decided to wear costumes. So they had someone design them. This has been a movie this has been about space. The space barbarians came before the band even did. Yeah. So it's just very different. It's not a gimmick. Right. And they, well, they even had that like, like, uh, you know, shift in, in their mindset almost where they decided like, okay, we got to like focus on the music a bit more here. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're right at the beginning, the musicians really did not matter at all. Like it was just, it was all about the stage show and the musicians were kind of an afterthought. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, yeah, they put out a record and then as it, 
you know, the band started really taking off more so than like the movie did. And then, yeah, that's when they were like, we really probably need to get like some good musicians that are steady. It wasn't even that some of the early folks weren't good. There were a lot of really good musicians. The band Death Piggy that Guar kind of spawned from, they're, they're all great. But it was that it wasn't consistent. It was just whoever was there at the time. It was always somebody else. It was usually people in another band that were coming over and helping them out. So, um, and you know, that's funny because it's another thing. There's a common joke that it's like, did you know there's not even any original members in Guar? Yeah. And and it's like, that's kind of true, but not really because, you know, Brad, the drummer and Mike Dirks, the guitar player, they've been in it since the eighties. So come on, like, let's give it who to else? Them. Let's give it to them. And, and really they are original because those first few years, it wasn't a, ba- it was just a, a, a joke. You know, the moment it became a real band, they were there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they, they definitely take it seriously. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I always have kind of built things and made, you know, stuff like uh, little oh, Macintoshes. Cool. I'll put like iPads in them. And I just made like a replica of the Big Randy's Donuts donut from L.A. and stuff. So I've always made stuff like that. And when I'll watch, you know, something like a Guar show, I have to... I'm so interested in how they've done, like they'll do things that sometimes I need to make myself like turn that part of my brain off and like, like mm-hmm. let's just enjoy the show and, and watch that for a second because I, I am always so curious of the behind the scenes stuff. And like, especially for this, you know, building the costumes and the props and the special effects that they have is incredible. But then when you think about the fact that they're actually touring every night and traveling yes. and they're on stage, like, you know, they're beating up their stuff. They're not like yeah. delicate up there. You know, it is like some serious building and craftsmanship that these guys have. It is. And th- that I think is one thing that, again, people don't think of is that, you know, y- you put a play together and, y- you know, you do it a couple, what, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, maybe two, a matinee once. And, you know, you've got time in between. But these guys put on a rock show where, like you said, they're beating it up. And then they have to take it to a whole other city the very next day. They usually tour for about three months. It's crazy. Like they'll tour for two or three months. So yeah, they have to build stuff with that thought, you know, with the idea of one, it has to work. It has to work and be easy to do. That's the other thing is when you look at how they do it, it's, it's genius in that they found the most efficient way to do it. You know, there's not a lot of stuff back there as much as you would think. And so they've really found these, they're geniuses too. In addition to being great artists, great musicians, hardworking people, they're also geniuses with the way they, the way they MacGyver these things together. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, they've got to take it to a different city every day. And if something breaks, it's not like they have a day off to fix it. You know, they have to come up with something quick, you know, so there's a lot of duct tape, a lot of hot glue, but it doesn't look like that. You know, mm-hmm. they make it look really cool. You know, they make it look like, a, like these weird special effects. Yeah. And and just looking at the costumes and everything, I'm like, I'm looking at it and it looks like kind of this, it's like, you can't even really explain it, but it looks like thrown together, but they still look cohesive. It's really impressive how they're able to pull that off. It is. Yeah. Yeah. The design of it. You're right. And that, you know, that's another thing they have. They're, they're, they're illustrators and they have that element of design. So yeah, like you said, it's a lot of weird, different things, but Somehow it works, you know, it, the different, co- the, none of the two Guar monsters look the same, but they don't, they don't clash with, with each other. It, it makes sense somehow. Yeah. You could tell they have an, an eye for, an artistic eye for it. But uh, mm-hmm. do you know, like in, in general, you know, usually how many people are on stage and how many people are kind of backstage working for them? Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. So, you know, there's five musicians that are, are playing on stage. Um, and then there is Bob and Matt. They are kind of the heart of Guar in a lot of ways, and they don't play instruments. Um, they are the main artists right now of Guar. And uh, they're also like the uh, stage managers. You know, they do a bunch of stuff. They come in and make sure everything is set up. They build everything and they, 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 they set it up. They, they, do every, they do the scheduling, not all the scheduling. They've got a really great uh, tour manager um, but Matt is kind of considered like the stage manager um, and Bob is like the shop foreman. But, um, you know, they are members of Guar and they are extremely important members of Guar. So they, they are always there. 
And they usually play all of the characters. They're in and out of costumes. They're playing all the other characters that you see. Mm-hmm. which usually there's a lot, you know, there's, there, there's usually an enemy, <laughs> there's usually a president, and then there's usually some other random people that get killed. And then usually they have one other person with them. So the, and the musicians, they're just playing, they're wearing their costumes, but their job is to play because it's hard enough. Mm-hmm. Their guitar player, uh, Mike Dirks, who plays Ballsack, the Jaws of Death, he's the guy with the huge bear trap on his head. He can't see his guitar when he plays and he's still... Yeah, that's a good playing, point. Like some pretty complicated heavy metal. But so Bob and Matt, they're the ones that are are going around getting in and out of costumes. They usually play three or four characters each. And then they usually have one other person as well. Um, Guar is known for having these human slaves that are usually just a man in a loincloth in some sort of mask. <laughs> so it, but it's 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 it it looks cool because it looks like Guar has these kind of little minions running around, but those guys are also secretly they're able to kind of move stuff around on right. stage That's smart. And, you don't, and you don't notice it. So Bob and Matt always play a slave and then another guy plays a slave and then um, and then they all those three guys wear costumes. So, yeah, I guess it's eight, five musicians and then three artists is typically what it is. That's pretty remarkable that those three are able to kind of get all that, you know, under it really control. is. Because somebody's got to work like the spew, <laughs> you know, somebody's got to work. the, And uh, it's pretty genius how they do it. It's like this whole elaborate system where all the different costumes um, are, have the ability to squirt stuff out of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. Mm-hmm. And so somebody's job, there's a hose that's pressurized that comes from these tanks. So essentially someone's job is, you know, let's say somebody comes out and they're going to get their head cut off. You know, it's somebody's job to kind of almost plug that hose into the back of them somewhere. So now blood can come out of them. And then when that character goes off stage, they put, pull the plug out of them and then maybe they'll go put it in the lead singer, you know, in his costume so that he can squirt blood out of his utter penises things. And then they'll take it out of him and put it into Trump so that when he gets his head cut off, it'll squirt out of him. So it's pretty genius how, you know, all those costumes, they don't have to have their own like hose, it's yeah. like two or three hoses that are constantly being put on other ones. It's really, it's really genius how they, they came up with it. Yeah, that's smart. They're all sharing the same same blood tank, I guess. They're all the mm-hmm. same blood type. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think in the in the in your film they mentioned that they have a, basically like a, a huge truck that they have to travel with just to carry all their stuff, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. So um they have their own vehicle that they're in yeah. and then somebody has to drive like a, like an 18 wheeler type thing, <laughs> it's all their stuff in it. Wow. But they have it, you know, because they've been doing it for so long, they have it down to a science. I mm-hmm. mean, everything, all it's all like categorized into these big, huge boxes that they wheel out and they, it, it opens up into almost like a little closet. You know, it's like a, imagine like a huge case, you know, that they open up and then it's got all the costumes that they can just get to real easy. And, uh, you know, they're, they've, they've become very efficient at setting it up. They have a tour manager named Eddie Ortel, who was extremely vital. Him and then a manager at the time, Jack Flanagan, whipped them into shape and got them, you need to do this like a machine. Mm-hmm. Because for the longest time, you know, a lot of rock bands, they make their money at festivals. That's where you get seen and that's where you make money. You know, oh, sure. Yeah. You know, and Guar can't play a festival because it's this whole, it's not just amps. It's all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, Eddie, be, he's like a really, he's tour managed a lot of rock bands and he's just a pro. He was the one that, I don't know if it was him, but somebody was like, you guys can do festivals. You just got to be smart, you know? And so, and, and they also thought they couldn't open up for other people because how do you, you know, open up with, when you got all this stuff, you know? So, they figured out a way to do it and uh, and they've got a really great, you know, Jack Flanagan unfortunately passed away, but now they've got a really great management team called Indigoot and they just operate it like a machine. So they're able to do things they never thought they would be able to before, you know, which I mean, you know, they've been doing it for over 30 years. So they've had a lot of time to perfect the, uh, the art. Yeah. They've, they've refined their process and their organization mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. Yep. Um, is, is there, do you know if they have any issues with like, because I'm watching this thing, I'm like, damn, they're 
they're just soaking the audience with blood and and bodily fluids. Like, do they have issues finding venues that will accept them? You know, they they don't. And I guess it's just because maybe they've 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 developed relationships with these venues that they know the venues know what they're in for. And they know that it's going to be packed, you know, that yeah. the venue's going to make a bunch of money that night. Um, Cause Guar does, I mean, they are, they are successful, you know, they, in, in an era where people say rock music is dying, you know, they'll, they'll pack out these, 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 you know, these venues and without even being on the radio or anything, they have such loyal fans and it's, it's not something that you can pirate, you know, like you can't get the Guar experience on Spotify. Yeah. You have to go. There's, there, so they'll always have people going to their concerts, and they sound great live too. But you know, the other thing is they are professional and they're respectful. So Guar gets there at ten in the morning. They get to the venue at ten in the morning, and the first thing they do is they put carpet over everything, over oh. the whole stage, and they put that kind of like what is it, like the plastic over all the monitors and all the speakers and anything that could get hurt that's within their spew range, <laughs> they, they, they cover it. They, they're very respectful of the venue. Oh, okay. So, um, so yeah, that, I, I think that's why, you know, it's kind of a trade-off. Yeah. It's going to be wild, but the venue's going to make a bunch of money. They probably know them. They've probably had them there many times. And, and yeah, Guar, they, like I said, they've got it down to a science and they know how to, uh, to, to not mess up a venue. They talk about how in the early days they did, you know, like the blood is essentially water, with some food dye in it. So it does stain your skin, but it's not like gross to get on you. You know, I was, some people might be like, Hey, am I going to be all sticky and nasty and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And originally that's what they did use. And then, you know, they, they got that down in a monitor, you know, at one of the speakers at a show and ruined it and they were not Mm. welcomed back for a long time. So, um, you know, they know what they're doing. They've refined it. And, And yeah, I mean, I've never seen a, never heard of a venue getting upset with them. Yeah, man, that's awesome. That's remarkable. And yeah, that that was I forget who had the line in the in the film, but someone kind of said like they saw a show and uh, they're like, "Man, this is just these guys are awesome. I got to get involved. If they're like half sane, then I'm working with them." And like, you know, he's like, "And they were totally sane and we had a great relationship." And that's like I think that's a big uh maybe realization for some people is that like, these guys are like serious and they're, you know, they're respectful of the venue, like you said, and you know, they're, they're professionals. Yeah. I always joke, you know, I'm, I met some of the best people I've ever met my entire life working on a documentary about monsters that murder people. (laughs) They're, they're just great people. They're, they're hardworking. I mean, I, I have never heard of a band that works as hard as they do. You know, I mean, they're just hardworking. They're smart. They're respectful. Um, they, you know, but they put on a, a great show, you know, and there, there's, there's, um, I mean, I don't know. It, they're, they're just great. They're, they're really awesome. And, and, and that's something too, I think that people, I would, I want people to see behind that curtain is that another thing, like you were saying, you don't think about it, but to make that work, you can't be dumb. You know, you can't be some dumb boneheaded rock and roller, you know, who's, coked out of their mind and is just trying to, you know, do something like it's, you got to be with it and smart to, to make that, to create that stage show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's something too, for people that may not realize is like, they're still around. They've lasted yep. what over 30 years now. Yep. They've never gone away. It's not, it's not like it's a comeback. You'll see in the documentary, there were times where they've had their ups and downs, but, um, but yeah, it's not like an Anvil story. I don't know if you've seen that documentary. It's really good, but it's not anything like that. They've they've always um, they, they've done they've just done great through the ages. And I think some of it is the fact that there's nothing like them. You know, rock and roll trends go in and out. You know, oh, it's hair metal. Now it's grunge. Now it's rap rock. Now it's Mumford and Sons or whatever. You know, it's yeah. the Strokes. But they're they're monsters, you know, from outer space. It can't be dated, you know, right. and and they've always, from the very beginning, they've they they play overall metal, you could say, but they've always dabbled with other styles of music. So um, they've survived all of these trends, and they they'll continue to tr- survive trends. And you know, all these bands now are um, 
struggling because records aren't selling like they used to, you know, mm-hmm. people aren't buying records as, as much and rock and roll isn't at the forefront of music like it used to be. Um, and so a lot of rock bands, they're having to re- reinvent themselves. It's like, you can't just be in a, be in a band. You got to have cool merch and be a brand. You know, that's what they say. You got to be a whole brand, a whole experience. Well, Guar's already doing that. They already were doing what all the other bands are, are having to do now. They were doing it back in the eighties. So I think that's one reason they've always done well is they're not a band. They have other ways they've sold comic books. They, they have a, like a D and D style board game out right now. Yeah. They have, they have uh, beer. They have um, they have whiskey. They have a bar. They have the Guar Bar. Um, they've got little miniatures. I mean, they just got all this stuff, and they always have. So, if they, you know, they were telling us that you know, I was worried about them. We we were filming this right before the pandemic, mm-hmm. so it kind of worked out perfect that uh, it whenever the pandemic hit was right when it was time to edit. So <laughs> we had nothing to do, but all this post-production stuff, we were stuck inside. Right. But, you know, I still talked to them and, um, and I did film a couple of things, I believe whenever it kind of, you know, the vaccine had come out and stuff like that. But I remember I was worried about it. I was like, cause you know, you guys make your money from touring. You know, that's what, like we were saying, you, 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 you can't, you can't get that experience on Spotify, but they were saying, you know, they made just as much money um, during the pandemic as they did when they were touring because they just, they just worked on making a lot of cool stuff for their fans and for people to buy. And they worked on a lot of different business deals, coffee. I mean, they have, they have everything, you know, Mm -hmm. and they have their bar that could still deliver food during it. So um, I, I was, that made me feel really good that it's like, yeah, you guys, the stage show is where you make money, but you can, do other things, you know, they're, they're really, they're really great. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And then, you know, them being artists too, they have like some of the coolest graphics and everything to it. They, they got some cool stuff for sure. They really do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's jump into, cause, so you said you kind of got, uh, you kind of got them to, or somebody to pitch them, mm-hmm. you know, this idea for you to, to do a documentary on it. What was their reaction? Were they just gung ho or what was, how did that all get started? Well, luckily, um, my friend Rocky, who introduced me, he's just like the most lovable guy in the world. Like he's one of those guys where it's like, if he's a friend of yours, he's a friend of mine too. So, mm-hmm. um, and he had toured with them on that first tour after Dave Rocky had passed when, mm-hmm. so I, I don't know, I don't want to speak, but it, I mean, maybe that helped him bond a little bit more. Cause it was a very, you know, emotional time. Yeah. But, um, uh, he said, Hey, you know, I want to introduce you to my friend. And it was kind of good timing because Guar had wanted to do a documentary for a long time. Um, and they had wanted to do one themselves, but you know, a documentary takes an insane amount of time to make and an insane amount of time is not something that Guar has, Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, with everything else they were doing and, but they had always, they had wanted to do it. And, um, so they, they talked to me and, and, and they liked where my head was, you know, I said, I want to make something that your fans will like. Sure. But I also want to make something that a regular person whose favorite band is Garth Brooks or whatever, you know, Wu-Tang Clan will like this because I think that your story is much bigger than heavy metal. Mm-hmm. I don't think this isn't a heavy metal story. That's just part of it, you yeah. know? And so uh, they liked that, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, they, they liked the fact that I saw something more in the story. Um, and so um, the, 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 the downfall was, uh, or not downfall, but I guess hiccup, maybe, I don't even know, roadblock, because Guar is so cool. I mean, you could not take a bad picture at a Guar show. If you're a photographer, you could go take pictures and people are going to think you're the best photographer in the world because it just looks amazing because they look amazing. Mm-hmm. So because of that, and they, they already have made movies. They, they're, they're funny. People have tried to make Guar movies or shows and stuff like that in the past. Mm-hmm. And so they've had that a lot and it usually didn't pan out. A lot of times people wanted Guar to do the work. You know, uh, one thing that the way they kind of said was people would point a camera at them and just go, be silly, be guar, you know? Yeah. And so, um, you know, they weren't hesitant. They, they, they liked me just fine. And, um, um, so the, the deal we kind of had was I'm going to make, we called it a proof of concept. I'm going to come out there. I'm going to interview you guys. I'm going to film a concert 
And I'm going to make a little short, like a little 10, 15 minute short documentary about you guys. So you can see that I'm going to put in the work uh-huh. that I've got the skills that I'm, I'm ready to tell a story here that I'm, that I've got a vision. I'm not just somebody who's going to point a camera and then expect it to magically look cool when you load it in the computer. So I did that. I, I edited something together and then I sent it to them and I didn't hear anything back for like a week and a half. Ooh. And I was like, crap, like, I guess I blew it. You know, That's I guess a- I was like, I was like, I, I thought it was cool, but I guess, you know, maybe they didn't. And then, um, finally, uh, Bob, uh, Bob Gorman, he hit me up and was like, Oh yeah, sorry, dude. Guar- we had just a bunch of stuff to do. Uh, and I was like, Oh, that makes sense. Guar's always, they've always got a million irons in the fire. Even now they had an album come out and now they've got this documentary coming out and they just advertised something else that they're coming out with today. I think it's like a, I don't think it's a whiskey. I think they've already done that, but it's something else. It's like, I didn't even know they were doing that, you right. know? And, uh, so they just had, like it, they wanted to do it. It, it. it just took them a while to get to it because they all had to watch it, talk about it. And they yeah. all have such crazy lives. So, uh, you know, then they were like, OK, yeah, like, let's do this. And so then it was on, you know, then I just started making it happen. You know, I, I got my team together, um, of, you know, producers and cinematographers and all of that. And, and we started we started filming it. Nice. Yeah. So what was the, uh, well, first, you did a great job. got to say like, oh, thank you, you know, mission accomplished for what you're trying to do. It was, you know, it's a beautiful documentary. It was easy to watch. It just flew by and, uh, yeah, it was it very well done. I really, I'm glad you, you had the opportunity to do it and that you did it so well. So that was oh, great. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, I mean like, let's, I'm curious about, you know, your, your process. Did you, did you get to like go on the road with them at all or anything like that? Um, yes and no. I really wanted to. So the thing about Guar is that, like I said, they get there at 10 in the morning Yeah. and then they set up and then they do a sound check. Then because they're really awesome, they do like a meet and greet with their fans where they'll hang out with their fans for a little bit while they're not in character, you know, while they're mm. as the, the humans. Cool. Then they'll watch them sound check and they'll sign stuff and they can take pictures with all the crazy props. Nice. And then, you know, then they get ready for the show. So they have a busy day every day. So, you know, you think about it, they get there at 10 in the morning and then a show what wraps up around midnight, one o'clock somewhere, you know, um, and then they have to break everything down and then they have to travel to an, another city. Yeah. So, so they have to sleep uh, on their bus. Like they have a bus. That's the only way they could make it because, you know, then it's one, two in the morning. It's not like you can drive to a hotel, sleep, and then, I mean, sometimes it's six hours in between the two cities, four or six hours, you know, when you're playing in between cities. You yeah, jeez. So, uh, they basically just sleep on the bus and then wake up and do it all over and o- over again. So, um, I-, I wasn't able to, I wanted to be like, be like, let me be on the bus, but there just wasn't enough room. So we would try to, we were trying to keep up with them, but we were having to like drive to a hotel, sleep, and then and then drive the next day. So it was difficult, but, um, but, you know, we still got the experience of, you know, we got to get there at 10 in the morning with them and see the whole thing mm-hmm. inside and out. And it was really an awesome experience to get to, to see everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it, it, it's, that would just be so fun to see all that kind of stuff. It really was to watch them set up their props and stuff. And I would get that, you know, they would start at 10 in the morning and I would see Bob and Matt setting up all this, all the costumes, getting everything ready. And, you know, like you said, um, you got to make stuff that can get beat up and then put in a box and ship to another town and do it all over again for months at a time. Um, And so I would I would see it in the light, you know, in the morning, seeing them putting it together Mm -hmm. Um. And it, it's it, Bob likes to call it low tech. He's like, it's very low tech, but it works. And the analogy that I would use is it's like a car. You know, you have an automatic, which is great, but it's got more pieces that can break. Whereas, you know, you have a standard, there's less things that can go wrong. And that's kind of the way that I, I think of it. You know, it's, it's very simple stuff. But then, you know, the show happens, the lights go down and those stage lights come on and you would never know that the same stuff that they were hot gluing together, you know, there was like a tab A slot B type thing was the same stuff that you're seeing in this dynamic stage show. 
it's really incredible. They use stuff that like magicians, like the same tricks that like magicians use. Oh, really? To make stuff look weird. Yeah, like um, their guitar player, anyone listening, you should look it up. Ballsack, the Jaws of Death. He's got these goat legs. And people are always wondering, how does, he, how does it work? Because it looks like goat legs that like bend backwards. It yeah. doesn't look, it, it, it looks like it would have to be this weird contraption where he's kind of, you know, ba- having to balance and it's not, it's, it's a lot more simple, but it's all like sleight of hand illusion and stuff. So they employ all those techniques and, and yeah, it's, 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 it's really very dynamic to get to see it in the morning and then you'd see like this explosion of awesomeness at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's, uh, it is really tough to get to that level of simplicity. Like, in hindsight, you see it and you're like, okay, that's just how you do it. It's easy. It's done. But to get there is like, you know, I've worked through stuff like that before where it seems simple, but the idea and the germination to get there is really hard. Like Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, it's and especially during a live show, you don't want things to go wrong. I mean, like, you know, our behind the scenes here, we just had a little hiccup and this is the <laughs> simplest setup ever, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, things that look simple, they're not easy because it took... A, a, a lot of time to make it simple and to, to make it so, okay, this is what we need. And this is what's going to work under extreme circumstances. And they've really thought about it over the years. You can tell they've evolved it. Uh, certain things are the same tricks they used back in the eighties and certain things are different. You know, they have one character that's essentially two guys in a costume so that then you can cut it in half and both of the pieces can kind of yes. jump around. That was amazing. Yeah. It lo- it's, it's really cool. So, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's something simple. That's actually really a complex thought went into making something really simple. Mm-hmm. Okay. So weird Al, you got him for the documentary. How did you get weird Al in there? Yeah, that was, you know, that's like, that was a dream come true to get to meet Weird Al. I can't even, that was just insane. You know, yeah. it's like, I, I can't be talking to the real life Weird Al. Like this just can't, it can't be, you know, right. and not even, not even in a like autographed si- situation. Like we're just sitting here talking about Guar for like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he rolled in with no posse, no nothing. He just showed up. He's like, Hey guys, I'm ready to do this. Cool. Sat, sat down, killed it. And then was like, okay, you know, we're like, that's, that's all we need. You know, we don't want to take up too much of your time because he gave us gold. Um, so that was a dream. So the way that it happened. So I heard that you also do um, parties, balloon animals, entertainment and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's right. Yep. So one of our producers, his name is Bill Parks and he's a real multi-talented guy. He's a documentary producer. He produced this documentary. He also produced uh, the Nickelodeon the documentary on Hulu with, mm-hmm. I was on that too. He produced a documentary called ghost heads that I think is on maybe Peacock. Now it's somewhere. Um, he's an actor. He's been on every single show, how I met your mother, uh, American horror story community. Uh, he's just a real estate dude. And he also has a party company where he does like parties, you know, any sort of party, with balloon animal people, magician, magicians, stilt walkers, elephants, like whatever you need. Right. And so he had done a party and he had seen Thomas Lennon and Weird Al there. And um, and it was a party that Thomas Lennon was throwing. And so um, Thomas loved it and was like, and Th- Thomas Lennon is also in the documentary. He's a really... He's a famous comedian. Reno 911 is what he's mainly known for, but he's mm-hmm. been in all, all sorts of stuff. Um, he was in the last the last Christian Bell Batman movie, even. Um, Hot Tub Time Machine. Uh, I oh, Love yeah. You, Man. Just all, all sorts of stuff. Um, <laughs> but he um, loved Bill. And so Bill was like, I want to reach out to Thomas Lennon and ask him, you know, if maybe he could, he would want to be in the documentary or weird Al would want to be in the documentary or whatever. But he didn't, we were like, ah, is that really like kind of unethical? Cause you've got one business that you know him from, and now you're transferring it over to another business, right? you know, tricky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we didn't want to be like, cause so weird Al, we really wanted, um, because we knew we really like putting, you know, it makes sense to put famous people in your doc or well-known people in your doc because then fans of them will watch it and see this 
other thing that maybe they didn't know about. Maybe someone likes Weird Al. I'll be like, oh, that's cool. Weird Al's saying it's cool. I'll watch it, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but we we also don't like it whenever documentaries will put famous people in there just to have them in there, you know, and they don't really have anything to say, you know? Yeah, it's got to be a um, tie-in or something. Yeah, it's just like, oh, you did that because it is a business move because then your documentary will sell for more money. You do have, right. a, a, or, or not even for more money, just at all. It'll sell at all, you know, because you can say you have this person in it. So we didn't, we wanted to have some people in it, but they had to make sense. And Weird Al was in a Guar cartoon called the animated tales of Guar. That's right. And he also makes sense because they're a comedy. They're kind of like a parody. They are parodying metal while they're also celebrating metal. They're kind of a parody act. They wear costumes. Weird Al is a parody act who wears costumes and travels. So, you know, he has a rubber fat suit. They've got fake rubber butts that mm-hmm. get stuff shoved in it. So we're like, <laughs> it's kind of similar. So um, we, we knew we wanted him and, uh, but we didn't want to be like, Hey, Thomas Lynn, you know, can you, do you, one, it was already like presumptuous to ask, like, will you be in our doc? But then also like, will you, will you talk to your buddy weird Al? And so, but Thomas was so nice. He was like, Bill, I love you. I would do anything for you. Wow. I'll, he's like, I'll talk about Guar. I'll talk about Guar for a while. Cause he was, it, it, that also made sense because, He's a comedian, and we wanted to show that there are different reasons you should like Guar. We wanted to explore all the elements. Heavy metal is only one. Mm-hmm. So um, they are a heavy metal band. So we have other heavy metal artists talking about how good they are as musicians. We've got Randy Blythe from Lamb of God, Kyle Shutt from The Sword. They're all saying, yes, you know, lending that kind of credibility. These guys are amazing musicians. And then we also have Adam Green, who's a horror film director who can kind of talk about that aspect of how hard it is to do special effects, let alone live. And then we wanted to have comedians who could talk about how funny Guar is, because that's one thing I think people don't know about is not, I mean, their fans do, and a lot of people do, but your average person might look at them and be like, ooh, they're spooky, they're creepy, I don't want to, but it's like, no, they're really funny. You know, they're, they're, they're a satire, they're a satirical mm-hmm. act, they're, they're like social commentary, they're really smart social commentary. It's kind of funny, kind of like South Park in a way is what I would almost kind of use as a, as a frame of reference yeah, for people that, that don't know about him. Um, and so, um, we, you know, Thomas Lennon made sense. He was also at MTV at the same time Guar was trying to get on MTV. So he, um, he did the interview and it was amazing. We were, the only thing that was hard about it was we were all trying so hard not to laugh because he's so funny. You'll see the, the first time you see him in the documentary, he's holding his dog who's asleep, you know, yeah. it's a Guar documentary and he's holding him almost like a super, like a super villain or something. He's holding this tiny dog on his chest and the dog is like people, it just gets a laugh before he even opens his mouth. And, yep. you know, he just stroke struck that stroke, struck that pose. <laughs> just, he knew it was funny. He's a, he's a natural. Yeah. Uh, and so we were so fortunate to get him. And then, you know, he was like, Hey, you know, who'd be good for this? Weird Al. And oh, we're like, oh yeah, that would be really cool. <laughs> so he was like, um, do you want me to reach out to him? And we're like, I mean, yeah, if you want, that'd be cool, you know? And so as we're sitting, I mean, he let us, he was not a rock star at all. He sat there and talked to us just about guar and music and all sorts of stuff. He plays in a, a band. He plays in a Smith's tribute band. And we're just talking and hanging out. And he's like, He's like, oh, hey, I just texted Al. He's totally down for it. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll hook you up with his management. So it was like right then and there, we were hanging, we were hanging out with Thomas Lennon, who I'm a huge fan of Thomas Lennon. The State, which if you haven't seen it or anybody listening, if you haven't seen it, go watch The State. It's like a sketch comedy show from the early mid nineties. It was on MTV. If you like kids in the hall and stuff like that, you'll Mm -hmm. love the state because it was on MTV. It had a lot of rock and roll that was on MTV at the time. And now that it's not on MTV, it kind of never got released because you know how it is. There's different rules for if you have it on TV versus streaming. So they didn't have the rights for it for Mm -hmm. streaming. So they had, they, it, it kind of sat um, you know, in a, in a vault somewhere for years, but then finally they went, somebody went in and re-edited the whole thing and put new music to it. Cause it had like Jeremy and like from the Pearl Jam and like the breeders and all sorts of like popular music that they, you know, they didn't have the rights to, but it's out there now. And Thomas Lennon is hilarious. And he's so funny. He has this thing called old fashioned guy. 
that's so funny. It kind of reminds me of Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy from Saturday Night Live. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's just Thomas Lennon, and he's always, like, whittling, like, some some wood, you know? And he's, like, whistling. And he's like, called me old-fashioned, but I still believe there's only one true God. And, it's, and then he goes, and his name is Zorgo. And he lives in the- <laughs> and he lives in this lake right 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 behind, right behind me and then he kind of keeps whittling and he's like whistles and walks off it's just he always says that call me old fashioned and he just says something like like you think you know where he's going and then he takes it in a different direction but he's so funny um so i was a huge fan of his for the long for the longest time and i still am so to get to meet him was insane he was so funny and then for him to you know hook us up with weird al was crazy so yeah to get to to get to interview Weird Al and him, where it was just nuts. And then there's all sorts of other cool people that are in the doc too, that, um, you know, it was a dream. Yeah, no, that's so cool. And I, and I mean, there's even like, I think uh, Weird Al has like a, a little anecdote how he was, you know, touring and, and he, he arrives at the venue and they're like, you know, we just, we need a couple hours. We're still cleaning yeah. up from the Guar show last night. That was great. I thought that was so funny, you know, that, that, that uh, it makes, you know, it's another thing where they seem like they're from different worlds, but he was playing at the venue the very, the very night after they were. Mm-hmm. Um, cool, man. Well, this is awesome. I love hearing about this, Scott. Um, did you want to, is there anybody specifically or any, anyone on your team that you kind of want to talk about or, or share with us? Yeah. You know, I, this documentary was also really cool. I got to work with such great people. That's, um, you know, one of the, we do this totally DIY. You know, there's no big company behind us. There's no big Mr. Daddy Warbucks behind us. It's just a, a, a group of folks that, you know, try to get money wherever we can and then uh, <laughs> work for free and uh, make this documentary and sleep on people's couches and, you know, um, work well, our day jobs and then edit it at night. I mean, the and, thing is, too, like you wouldn't know that watching it. Oh, it looks thank you. So professionally done. It's it's awesome. It looks great. And, you know, that that goes uh, to the team, you know, uh, the, the team that 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 I was able to work with. Um, Jacob Halinga, he's a cinematographer out in L.A. Um, and he, you know, he had worked camera on some other stuff that I had done. And he works on a lot of stuff, um, a lot of shows and stuff, but he had never had a cinematographer credit. Um, or he is the DP. And I was like, dude, you, you, you're going to be the DP for this. You're going to be the one in charge. And he came up with a whole interesting way to film it. Um, you know, um, he really likes it. And I, I did too. Um, the idea of having a distinctive look, you know, I love it when documentaries, they, they shoot their interviews in a certain way. And, um, but we didn't want to be so different that it's distracting because as we were filming it, we realized uh, this was both filming and in editing. We need we need to be tasteful and simple. You know, it's we shouldn't try to show off with our editing styles or our filming styles because the star of this is their story is crazy. It's nuts. You know, you laugh, you cry. They win it. They they get nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. Somebody almost gets killed. I mean, it's it's insane. So we knew that. Um, you know, we needed to be. Um, simple. And uh, I, I like the fact that the team did that because a lot of people, you want to show off, you know, you want to be the rock star, but it's like to make this movie good, we need to be simple because watching these guys just tell their story and laugh and cry. It really feels like you're just having a beer with some, some, some weird dude you met at a bar who li- who's lived an insane life. You know, mm-hmm. we've all had that night where you end up at a bar and you're drinking and some guy has done this crazy shit that you're just like, what the hell? And that's what it's like, just turned up to 11. And we knew that. So, uh, you know, Jacob came up with a really cool way of filming it. If you notice, the Guar guys are shot in a slightly different way than anybody else. Everybody else is shot kind of in a more standard documentary way. He, But he did, so, it, I love it because it's so simple. You almost don't notice, but the camera's a little bit lower than eye level on them so that they look a little bit bigger, bigger than life. And the mm-hmm. lighting is a little more moody um, on them. And so I really like that. And then, um, you know, when it came time to um, to edit the thing, um, I got to work with a really great editor. Um, it's really weird. There was a guy that I knew that we went to high school and I went to this little high school in Texas and I don't keep up with anybody from my high school. I mean, like 
I'm Facebook friends with them and, and, and sometimes they'll try to sell me like, you know, they'll, they'll hit <laughs> me up when smoothies. they get, yeah, like pyramid schemes or something like that. Yeah. But, um, and I mean, that's, I mean, there's some cool people from my high school. I don't want to talk too much crap, but anyway, um, Casey was a guy I knew in high school. I, I was in high school a long time ago. He was a really nice guy. I didn't keep up with them. Uh, and, um, randomly I made a documentary about Nickelodeon and sold it to a company called Gravitas. That's a distributor. And then they sold it to Hulu. Mm-hmm. The same time, this guy from my high school, hadn't seen in years, made a movie, sold it to Gravitas at the same time, within months of when we sold ours to Gravitas. Wow. And they both, they both got on Hulu at the same time. And um, they were both like under the trending documentaries or whatever. And we were like, he, I think... He reached out to me and he's like, are you making documentaries and stuff? And I'm like, yeah, dude. And so he was too. And it was crazy. You know, um, we we would have been friends in high school, but I think our pa- we were friends, but we just weren't hangout buddies. And I think that's just because we never had the opportunity. You know, I wish I had, you know, um, but uh, we just became quick friends and, and we loved... Um, I love talking to him. So he has a movie called Red Dog that's on Hulu, and I would highly recommend anybody watching it. You can see why I wanted to work with him for Guar. Red Dog is about a guy, um, you know, in his like 30s, 40s, who is kind of coming to terms maybe with the fact that he grew up in a strip club. His mom was a stripper. All of his, that was his family, strippers mm-hmm. and bouncers and bartenders. And he's going back and telling their story. So there are, there's all these people that society maybe would say, Ugh, you know, you're a stripper, you know, you do drugs, you're a bouncer, you know, and he made them human. And by the end, you want to go hang out with them. You, mm-hmm. you cry. And I was like, that's what this, that's what this documentary is as we were filming it. It was just weird as we were filming it. And as we were getting ready to edit it, I, I came in contact with Casey and we had all this weird stuff with the, the documentaries doing the same exact thing. Um, and so I watched his documentary and I was like, Hey, um, would you want to work on a Guar documentary by any chance? And it's kind of hard to explain how cool the story is, you know, to somebody before you see the footage, before, you know, you know, when all you know of them is a metal band that squirts blood on people. That's neat. Um, and so he was like, I mean, maybe he's like, I can help you out. Sure. Send me the footage. I'll look at it. And he immediately was like, oh, my God, like, uh-huh. I want to be the editor on this. I want to work with this. And it was cool to have somebody go down that guar rabbit hole with me where he knew everything about it. And he busted his butt on that documentary. He deserves all the credit in the world for how good it looks. Um, he did a lot of the uh, the animation, too. We had a really talented illustrator named Matthew Cook and then a couple of other really talented people. Uh, Jeff Johnson, who had done some animation on the Nickelodeon documentary, they did the art, but Casey made it move. Mm, okay. um, and he edited it, you know, and he's got a skill that I don't have. Um, and that is, he's just super patient, whatever the opposite of ADD is. He's got that uh-huh. because Guar gave us um, a ton of archival stuff. You know, when you see the documentary, you're like, it's crazy how much archival footage is, is in it. Um, and every time they talk about something, we were able to find footage of them doing that. You know, yeah. it's, it's insane. That's great. And so that was really fun for me because I got to hang out with um, the Guar guys at their 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 area. Uh, they call it the slave pit. They have like it's where they practice and they do their meetings and where they build their monsters. It's really a neat place. But just going through boxes and boxes of VHS and old DVDs and the mini DVDs and all the different types of tapes there are and, 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 and stuff on thumb drives that somebody had sent them. It was just all this stuff, just sitting there with a VCR and transferring it over was so much fun going through and finding these treasure troves. But I mean, it was cool, but there was like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of footage and it was it's not like it was edited stuff it was just them with the camcorder filming stuff while they were on the road right so um casey had the patience to look through all of that stuff and find that one moment that's like oh that's what's gonna that's what they're talking about so he's a really strong 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 editor and he um he was just great to work with. Um, he and I shared a lot of the same vision for the movie. 
uh, in that, you know, we both wanted the editing to be simple and not mm-hmm. be punchy. I think there there was some choices that I think some editors would go, I don't like that. I don't think that works where, you know, they're always like cut, you know, quick cuts, get to the punchline and cut. Mm-hmm. And you'll see in the documentary, we hang on a couple of shots, like uncomfortably long, like really long, but it makes you feel like you're there because you think the camera should cut away and it doesn't. You yeah, know? that's a good point. When, when somebody says something that's kind of like, whoa, you know, or you find out something crazy, we kind of hang on it and you see that, you know, so the guy will say that what he says and then he'll kind of just be like, I mean, I don't know, you know, and kind of like shrug and you see them be kind of vulnerable. And uh, I, I thought that was really cool that he, he really wanted to do stuff like that. And also, you know, um, the documentary is a little bit longer than I think a lot of people would have made it. You know, we, we were, it's 30 years, but it's also not 30 years of a band. It's 30 years of, guys that have made multiple albums, two or three movies, <laughs> been nominated for a Grammy. Uh, also, a just there. done, there's crazy stuff in yeah. there that, that doesn't happen to a regular band. So um, we, we just we're both like, we're not going to try to hit 90 minutes. We're just not going to try, even though that's what everyone says is like the magic number. We're just like, there's no way we'll make it as short as we can. And we kind of came it, it, the documentary comes in right at about an hour and 50. So it's not two hours long. But it's longer than a lot of documentaries are. And um, I'm glad that we did that because I, I, I don't think it feels like it's drags or that it's two hours. Um, it would be one thing if we were padding it, uh, if, if we felt like we were padding the documentary and just putting stuff on there just to put it on there. But we were struggling with what do we cut? There's so much cool stuff here. So uh, Casey was just awesome to work with. Everybody, the, 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 the team of producers I got to work with, like Bill and uh, Tommy Avalone, who um, he's a director himself, you know, Casey, the editor, he's a director. Tommy has directed the Bill Murray stories on Netflix and mm. another movie called uh, I'm Santa. So I got to work with a lot of people that I'm actually fans of oh, that's cool. their work. So that was uh, that was really cool. So I just got to work with a lot of great people and the team was was just amazing like it was such the whole documentary was such a dream i'm i always say i'm kind of spoiled i'm like i don't even know what i'll do after that like after getting to work on something so cool you know um with such cool people it was really like i feel like it would almost be anticlimactic like i'm like i gotta find something really cool to do after this like (laughs) like just a a regular band with you know two guitars bass and and drummer it's like i don't I don't know if that would satisfy me unless right. they had a crazy, unless they had a bonkers story. You're like, yeah, that what that's it, guys. What else we got here? Give me something. Yeah, who's your spew guy? Like, yeah, what? we don't. <laughs> who's who's your spew guy? We don't we don't have that. We just or play guitar and wear regular and wear regular clothes. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was the the documentary is great. Yeah, it was. We we looked at the the time before we started. We're like, oh, it's a little longer than normal. But yeah, it didn't it didn't feel long at all. It felt it felt like everything in there. I couldn't imagine you cutting anything out. Really, everything felt right in there. So that was that was good. Yeah. yeah. The other thing we. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. The other reason, you know, we we realized as we were as I was filming it and we were starting to edit it, we, we realized that the, the, the documentary is, is them, these, these folks telling their story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was another thing. There's a lot of them, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people in Gore. Cause it's like we were saying, there's eight people on the stage, but that's just, who's in it right now. We go through past members too. Yeah. And we knew that if you didn't feel like you got to know them, because they're all interesting people. And I fell in love with them working on the doc. And if you didn't feel like you got to know them, if you didn't kind of feel for them, then it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't resonate. The tragedy that they suffer wouldn't resonate. You know, what, what I like to say is like, if you hear on the news that, that somebody died, that's sad, you know, you're like oh, that really is sad. But when it's like, you know, your best friend's mom dies, like that's different, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's different. And so that's what it was, you know, if, if people can't keep track of who's who um, and, or we're just, you know, we made it 90 minutes. So you don't really get a feel for anybody. And it's just someone saying, yeah, you know, my friend died that I played in a band with, that would be sad. But, you know, people like, you know, Mike Dirks and, 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 and Brad, 
uh, they're the drummer and the guitar player and they've been in it and they, they have a couple of really cool moments where they, they actually cry about their brotherhood. And that's something I did not expect. That's something that almost gets me because it's different. It's, it's, it's different to love to, that these guys in a, in a metal band love each other so much. They're, they cry about it. You know, yeah. nobody's expecting to see that, you know? Um, so those two, Brad and, and Mike Dirks, like, you have to love them because they're 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 easy guys to love to to understand to really resonate with the pain that they feel because those guys kind of get hit with the the worst of it you mm-hmm. know um, everybody gets hit with it but you really feel for for those guys and yeah. uh, you know there's something about seeing somebody that doesn't want to cry cry that gets you you know it's like when yeah. you see your when you see your dad cry and you're like something really went bad you know. Um, so yeah, we knew that you had you had to feel like you knew them, and uh, so yeah, I really respect Casey for kind of going down that rabbit hole with me of being like, we'll make it a little bit longer. If we felt like if we 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 tried some cuts that were shorter and it actually felt longer, mm, because okay. if you if because you, you're not engaged, you're just yeah. seeing a bunch of people talk and you don't really get to know them, and you're like, oh yeah, that's that's cool. But you know, when we added those little things where you felt like you you knew them. Then, you know, when they come on, they come and tell their story, you're engaged because you feel like it's a friend. So, um, yeah, it was just uh, it was really cool. It was it was a re- the whole thing from pre-production, production and post-production was just a, a super fun thing to get to do. Yeah. Awesome. Well, man, this was great. I, I, <laughs> I don't think we've even said the name of it uh, is This is Guar for people listening. Um, where where can we send people to check it out? Yeah, the documentary is called This is Guar, and it's currently on Shudder, which Shudder is awesome. It is not, I think people think that it's all going to be like B-budget horror movies and stuff like that, which, hey, I love that as much as the next guy, but that's not what's on there. They've got, I mean, they've got John Carpenter films, they've got Halloween, they've got all sorts of cool stuff. They've also got some really artistic documentaries on there. Um, So they're really growing and doing some cool stuff. Um, so uh, it's on Shutter, and if you want to get a free trial, if you subscribe to Shutter and you you use code this is Guar, no um, no spaces, all caps. This is Guar. There's a promo code you can put in. You get 14 days free. Oh, cool! So that gives you 14 days to watch it and check it out and see if it's something that you're into. Um, I'm I'm really into it. I, I there's a documentary on there called Scream Queen. And uh, I've loved that documentary for a long time. So to get to have my platform, my documentary alongside that one, I feel mm. super honored. Yeah. Um, Jordan Peele has a docu-series that he uh, produced that's on there. Um, and, and it's just got a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, so yeah, check it out on Shutter. Like I said, 14 days. If another way is AMC Plus, if you're interested in AMC Plus, um, you can do that. Um, AMC plus is a little bit more expensive, but there's a lot more stuff on there because you get all the stuff that's on AMC, all the stuff that's on shutter, all the stuff that's on, I think Sundance and IFC and what, like they own a bunch of things. So you can watch all the Sundance stuff. You can watch better call Saul. You can watch this is Guar on AMC plus. So those are the two options. And I think it's real. I think you should Shutter is worth a, a shot. It really yeah. is. Um, Shutter's awesome. Yeah, we have a subscription. We love it. Oh, do you really? I, yep. I love it so much. And um, and then um, and they treated us really well. For anybody that cares about that, um, just the altruistic, idealistic, moral side of it, um, I can't believe how good they've treated us. It almost seems like, okay, where's the joke? Where's Ashton Kutcher coming out and telling you this is a joke, <laughs> you know? It's just great. Um, and, cool. and, and, um, so yeah, they're really great and they, they treat the band really well. They, they get it, you know, they get it that, that this is something special, um, not just the doc, but, but Guar. And so, um, you know, try it out. There's cool stuff on there. If you're a Guar fan, there's also a show called Holliston that's on there and it's got odorous Urungus on it. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, I would, that's a really cool thing. Um, and then uh, Shutter will eventually put it out on iTunes and Amazon and all that mm. if people want to, you know, the, the traditional transactional video on demand that that'll come this fall, probably October. They'll put it on, you know, 
iTunes, Amazon, probably Voodoo, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Okay. And then ar- around that time, they'll we'll also put out a DVD that we're working on right oh, now. Oh, cool. Um, that will for sure have a bunch of special features and um, maybe we'll have to see if it's in the cards. We'd love to do it like a extended version. I don't know if that'll happen, but mm. we're trying. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, just it's a great film for anyone listening. Highly recommend it. Uh, I'm sure anyone who who listens to this is is you know stoked to watch it now. This this was a a great interview, Scott. I appreciate you coming oh, on, sharing all the stuff. It was just just a joy, super fun. Thank you. Oh yeah, my pleasure. This has been awesome. And there you have it. Episode 119 is over, just like that. Thanks for sticking around to the end and listening to that episode. Thank you to Scott for coming on. That was super fun. Really enjoyed that. I know it's a little different from my normal episodes, but uh, uh, I'm glad you bared with me and and hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, So again, this is Travis DeRose, your host of Curiosityness. Uh, You can find me personally on Instagram at TravDeRose or check out the show. Curiosityness is on Instagram. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, all those things. Kind of keeping up with it. It's tough, but uh, links for all that stuff is in the description if you want to follow us. Again, the, oh, and the link for to check out This Is Guar on Shutter is uh, in the description. And I got the promo code This Is Guar. Use that. Take advantage of that. Um, thanks, Scott, for sharing that. So, um, I think that's all I got to say. Oh, email me your thoughts, concerns, comments, questions, ideas for new episodes to Travis at curiositynest.com. That's always super helpful. And uh, just appreciate hearing from people who are listening. I always, you know, it's encouraging to hear that people are are following along and, and so much so that you'll send me an email even. That's great. So I appreciate that. I think I'm rambling. Sorry, it I'm going to ramble some more. Sorry, we've been gone for a little while. I just had some crazy stuff going on. Just needed to take some time. But uh, the show isn't dead. It's coming. It's it's still here. We're going to revamp it or just, just keep it going. I love doing this and hopefully you like listening. So it's it's still coming along. Curiosityness is still, still happening. Um, thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Tell your family. And yeah, I'll see you in episode 120. Bye.